0: You're listening to Trek FM.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Commentary Trek Stars. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we are going to continue our look at the career of Gene Roddenberry as a television series creator with... The Questor Tapes.
0: The Questor Tapes.
1: We, I thought it was Questor. That's what I said. That's what I thought. But in the movie, they keep on pronouncing it Quester.
0: Well, they're Americans. Okay. They don't how to talk.
1: All right. Um, this is a, another failed pilot.
0: Another one?
1: Yes. This one aired in 1974, one year after Genesis 2.
0: I think that we could actually accurately say that all of Gene Roddenberry's pilots technically failed.
1: Well, not where No Man Has Gone Before.
0: Mm, does it count as a pilot?
1: It's yeah. kind of a rejuvenation, rejiggering. It's still a pilot.
0: You think technically yeah. it still counts as a pilot? Yeah.
1: And what about Encounter at Farpoint? <laughs> I'm talking about in terms of getting your series on the air. Okay. All right. That's fine. The Quester Tapes was written by Gene Roddenberry and Gene Kuhn. Yes. And it starred Robert Foxworth and Mike Farrell and was directed by Richard A. Kalla.
0: S- yes.
1: So as a fan of The Quester Tapes, because it's safe to say that you are a fan of The Quester Tapes, correct?
0: Um, sure. All right. Yeah.
1: Can you give us a basic... Breakdown of the premise of this particular um, movie? Uh, yeah. Spoiler free, if possible. No. Okay. That's so, not possible. All right. It's
0: w- actually not possible to describe what is good about this idea without revealing at least a few spoilers. And here's the thing there's like maybe two.
1: Okay. If you want to watch this before listening to us talk about it, you can actually find it on YouTube.
0: Okay. So I'm going I'm to give the synopsis now. Okay. You know the episode of Simon Earth? Mm-hmm. What if he was an android?
1: That's mm-hmm. the show. Okay. But there, there's a little bit more to it than that. you know. Well, I mean?
0: it's sort of, you know, yeah, they, they sort of move some elements around, but most of those elements are in the past.
1: Well, okay, here, here's the thing. Like, if it had gone to series, yes. that's what the series would be. Yes. The, the movie as it stands is setting up that series, and as such, mm-hmm. it's a, a different type of story.
0: Sure. The thing about about a lot of these pilots. Um, And a lot of TV, especially before, I suppose, the most recent golden age, which probably started at the end of the 90s, is that pilots were very often radically different than what the show was supposed to be. And this is one of the examples of of a pilot that is so bizarrely different than the intended series that one wonders... What the thought process was behind doing such a thing, but well, uh, well, how about it's essentially? You know, it's the the movie is the story of uh, you know a bunch of scientists trying to put together an android that another dude was working on, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. got all these tapes because that's how you store digital information in the distant past, (laughs) like you know twenty years ago. Yeah, and. so the some of these tapes were damaged. So they are not able to program the Android with all of his necessary programming, which is why he doesn't understand emotions or humor and why he has white skin and wears a strangely colored... That's data. That's data. It's difficult to keep those separate. Yeah. Because they're the same one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean... You know, there's even, like, lines of dialogue in this, which were later used for data.
0: Yeah. And you know what the best thing about this is? The best thing about the parallel between data and Questor Mm -hmm. is that there is now, um, theoretically, somebody working on a new Questor tapes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ron Roddenberry was like, I know who should play that guy, Brent Spiner. He would knock that out of the park. Really, I am not making that up. Okay, that's a thing that happened.
1: I, I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's interesting. Uh, hmm. But yeah, the uh, at, at the end of the day, it's a
0: it's it's a show about an android working on Earth in secret to avert uh, essentially humanity um, uh, screwing up the world so much that they are wiped out, and. This is – and and Questor is – and this is the thing that you you have to know in order to be interested in watching the show is the most recent in a very long line of androids that goes back several thousand years. Mm -hmm. Uh, These androids have been working on Earth to keep humanity from wiping itself out for a very long time, long before people made clothes – which begs the question what the androids at the very end of the hallway of dead androids are wearing. I'm very curious about that, because the one right before the last slab, which is there for Questor, because there's a giant corridor full of dead androids, the one right before him, he's wearing a suit, because he's the guy that made you know the, the tapes and he's going to imprint those on Questor, and the guy right before him, wearing a suit! Two of them right there, wearing suits. How long has this guy been there? When did the last guy die? When did the guy before that guy die? Was it 150 years ago? He wouldn't be wearing that suit. Does the current android go around to all the dead androids and change their clothes to make sure that they're timely? So that when somebody goes in there and finds a bunch of dead androids, they don't get all freaked out by the strange clothes? I have problems with the clothes. Okay. I mean, if you're putting a dead android on a slab to to sit there until the end of time, take the clothes off. He's an android. He's not shy.
1: So what are your thoughts on the show on the whole? First off, uh, on the movie itself, and then we'll get into the, into the, what, the potential series after that.
0: The movie's not great.
1: Okay.
0: Um, it's dramatically sort of weak. It has the, the dramatic structure of a strangely motivated road movie.
1: Yeah, I got, I got that same impression.
0: Yeah, it's like, what if Thelma and Louise were on the run from some people who didn't really wish them harm?
1: And Thelma was an android.
0: Yeah, but but not really for any reason. Mm-hmm. It, the, like, the the movie has so many things to lay out in order to explain to the audience what the show is. But those things are not part of the show. I mean, the logical thing to do, the most reasonable thing, is the thing that you know has worked on TV a whole bunch of times. You just skip over it. You just don't do it. You don't do the origin story. Origin stories are boring. The best way of dealing with, you know, a complicated history is to just say, it's a complicated history. I'll tell you about it when it's relevant. Yeah.
1: So what, what, what do you think about how the series would have been if it had gotten picked up?
0: Well, I mean, based on you know Gene Roddenberry's history, he had he had these weird sort of uh, approaches to his shows. You know, there there there's an odd aspect of Star Trek that I've tried to talk about in the past, but people seem to be sort of you know fuzzy on what the dialogue is. But uh, there are aspects of, of Gene Roddenberry's you know like dramatic interest that uh, that indicate that he was using these characters, these sort of like you know these these archetypes and you know moving pieces around on the board to talk about like an idea about people or an idea about society. And, and sometimes he's moving around these characters and these pieces uh, in order to talk about um, why these pieces are good elements to be used in other stories to talk about society. And there is sort of a schism there. There's definitely a distinction between one type of story and another type of story. And Star Trek has done that for a very long time. Sometimes they're talking about now, and sometimes they're talking about how these characters are a good tool for talking about now. Mm-hmm. And Questor tapes, I assume, would have taken on some sort of structure like that. So obviously there would be some episodes where Questor would say, that, that course of action that you're going to do is crazy. You shouldn't do that. I'm going to explain why that's a crazy idea, and then Questor proceeds to say something that you know any smart person of the era knows. Hey, nuclear proliferation is ridiculous. You're not getting anything out of this. You should stop. And then they say no, and then he says, "Oh, well, then I'm going to take your bomb apart anyway, because that's what that's my thing. I do that. I'm a robot terrorist, Mm -hmm. and and that would have been you know part of the show. But on the other side, there would also have been." The stories about sort of the inevitable consequences of a character like that being in the world. Yeah. And like, obviously, they would. I mean, the show's degeneration. I I mean, I could telegraph it here. I mean, eventually, the network would say, You got to have a scientist guy trying to track him down and take him apart for weapons research. (laughs) Oh, no. That scientist is on our trail again. We've got to change cars. And suddenly, you're watching a terrible show about uh, an android who's a fugitive, looking for a one-armed scientist who wants to take him apart. And that wouldn't be any good, but it would happen. Season three, it would happen. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, like m- my thoughts on the on the show, well, basically, are are pretty much the same as yours. Like when I was watching it, I was not enthralled. I thought it was actually kind of boring. Oh, it's dramatically, ridiculously. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's like
0: bottom heavy. Yeah, it's like so. It's it's very strange. Usually, you see the exposition at the beginning of a thing, and you go, "Oh, I just got to get through this." Right. But this one, it does the opposite, which might be worse. Where it's like, "Hey, nothing's happening here of any relevance." Eventually, we'll get around <coughs> to making this uh,
1: important. I found it to be much more intriguing than I than it I did entertaining you know like i oh, kept, yeah, yeah, I kept no. on i kept on thinking like where is this going mm-hmm. when is it going to get there i hope it gets there soon oh it's there oh that's interesting i can't wait for the next episode oh
0: yeah it's frustrating and sad and oh my god can i talk about the last few moments of the episode sure the, i mean i mean pilot Hmm. um this is a thing i mean this actually happens in this. I'm just going to explain this. At the very end, everything has been resolved. The, the, the guys who were hunting him think he's dead. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the plan for him to guide humanity into its next age, uh, the last age in which it needs essentially a kind of um, you know, super intelligent alien chaperone. Mm -hmm. Uh, is now dawning, and and Questor is going to lead humanity into this this new era, which they have no chaperone anymore. Uh, That's all established. And then, when they're escaping from the guys, in the last shot, in the very last shot, there is voiceover of the two guys way in the distance, where one of them says... I could use some help in my ongoing adventures to come up soon. And the other guy says that would be fun. And that's the end of the that's the end of the movie. Yeah. In voiceover, the guy who has been there along for the ride decides, "Yes, I'll be your sidekick." Yeah. For several years to come, probably Saturdays at seven. <laughs> you know, and 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 like that actually happens in it. And man, it's lame. Yeah. Just cut that out.
1: Well, if yeah. the
0: show doesn't go, if it, if you don't get the show, cut that line out. It's terrible.
1: Well, uh, you know, Roddenberry, <laughs> always the optimist. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, unlike Genesis 2, which I think, like, like, if you were to just say, like, these are two movies, which is better. Yeah. I might actually say Genesis 2 is better. But if you yeah. were to say, these are two shows, yeah. pick one to watch, I'd watch Quester tapes.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are, there are things in there where you think, I want to see what these people do. Mm-hmm. This is cool. I, I mean, like one of the things that, like, that like really that I I, was, I really responded to was like the idea of this this guy essentially, you know, like a like not really a person, an android with some sort of sentience. He's sort of like assembling himself, mm-hmm. and there's a sequence where he essentially puts himself together. He like assembles a face and a body, and you see him doing a lot of it. Yeah, and and there are there, there's sort of like aspects of that that are really fascinating. The idea that this guy, you know in a sense, chose his identity without an emotional preference. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, inevitably, I mean, I would, I would really love to see an episode of this show where somebody says, why did you choose to be a white guy? <laughs> and he says, well, I can explain that, but it's kind of dark. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean,
0: like, I wanted to see that show when I heard about Questro types. I was like, I was like, oh, that sounds like Data. Also, Gary Seven. It sounds like Gary Data. Yeah. And and then I watched it, and I was like, this is cooler than I expected because other shows that managed to make it to air, uh, I, I I'm always astonished at what was on. Uh, decades ago versus the things that didn't get made. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the stuff that was on back in those days, it makes you think, man, how did they not give Roddenberry a shot with this ridiculous idea?
1: Well, apparently this is, out of all of Roddenberry's failed pilots, this is the one that came closest to actually becoming a series. Yeah. And I guess the deal breaker was essentially the studio asked for too many changes that Roddenberry wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, no. I mean, we've talked about the data connections. I mean, like for for those who haven't seen it, th- we can't overstate the similarities between Quester and Data. Like there are lines of dialogue, actually, yeah, which are taken. I mean, yeah. there's there's a scene where like they're gonna try to get the sidekick to seduce a, a woman, and uh, the 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 woman who's trying to. Be who's going to be seduced. The target. The target mm-hmm. um, figures out their plan and starts discussing this with the android, who she knows is an android. Yes. And she's like, "So, what was your plan?" He's like, "Oh, well, you know, I was going to have him get it on with you, and then, you know, hopefully get some information from you or what have you." And she's like, "Well, w- what if I were to want to get it on with you?" And he's like, "Well, I am fully functional." Yes. You know. Yes,
0: they use that. <clears throat> That phrase.
1: There's also the, uh, I mean, just sort of the idea of him, like, looking for his, his dad, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, which is very similar to uh, stuff that was coming on. Soong. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: just Dr. Noonie and Soong.
1: Yeah, right. And uh, the idea that he wants to be human. There's a line of dialogue in here where they're like, you can do this, you can do that. And he's like, yes, but I would give it all up just to be able to understand a joke or you know laugh at a joke or you know whatever yes. stuff like that i mean like
0: well you know that line of dialogue <clears> in encounter <throat> at farpoint when you're showing it to somebody for the first time and you get to that scene <laughs> yeah. where Riker and data are in the holodeck and then you go hey do you want to order a pizza <laughs> <laughs> i would that, give a- it all up to be human that's an awfully wistful thing to say a person without emotions <laughs>
1: Yep. So, so that that's in there, and there's even a scene from uh, what the Royale, which which was in the Royale. Oh yeah, the Ro- I forgot he, uh, about the Royale. He, he, Thanks for bringing that up again. He he, where he uh, squeezes the dice, you know, in order to get them to roll in his favor. I mean, yeah. it's like taken like shot for shot from from Questor tapes, uh, and then of course there's the Assignment Earth connection as well. I mean, obviously you know Roddenberry. There seems to be a thing going on in his career where if he can't get an idea off the ground, he puts it in his back pocket and uses it, you know, later on down the road. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I mean, in this case, it didn't work on Star Trek. Well, I mean, it didn't
0: work on Star Trek, and then he tried (coughs) it again on Star Trek.
1: Well, whatever, but I mean, he tried it on (laughs) Questor tapes. So so that's kind of interesting from that perspective. Yeah. Any other. Thoughts on the, the the quality of the show or, or the, 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 the show hypothetical in general, show, yeah, or anything. Anything. I'm
0: not, even, I'm not even kidding. I, I would I would love it if they made the show. I mean, mm-hmm. like you know the 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 story of it possibly being made, like now. I I, I think it would be awesome. I mean, I would I would actually love to see you know a show, you know Tim Miner's involvement. That would be fantastic.
1: Okay, well I mean we can talk about that now. <laughs> I was going to bring it up later on, but you know it, this is actually back almost three years ago now. Yeah, uh, I mean. There was uh, an announcement made that um, Roddenberry... It was 2010, right? It was 2010? Yeah, January of 2010.
0: Oh, it was January.
1: Um, wow. Roddenberry's estate or whoever, you know, Rod Roddenberry, the company, the Roddenberry company, whatever they're called these days, Roddenberry. Um, Roddenberry's? Roddenberry Films.
0: Um, yeah. Fresh Roddenberry's?
1: Yeah. They uh, sold the rights to um, Imagine Entertainment, who, you know, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's production company who do lots and lots and lots of things, 24, other stuff. And they hired Tim Minear to develop the show.
0: No, just because this was almost three years ago doesn't mean that it's not happening, because this happens all the time on TV. Sure, Shows do sort of sit around.
1: The fact that we haven't heard about it since then, though, Tim Minear, for those who don't know, is the guy who makes all the shows you loved that are canceled after three episodes? He he was the sort of co-showrunner on Firefly. What, what what else did he um he do, did he do uh yeah he worked on um Dollhouse. He worked on Dollhouse.
0: Yeah, and he, well, I mean well, he sort of you know. He's sort of orbited around, you know, the rod the the, the uh,
1: Joss Whedon, yeah. Well, I mean, the ex- the expanded
0: Whedon verse, which in, involves angel, some other people, angel, yeah, yeah. And his his level of involvement in, in the things is sort of varies. He
1: did that show Drive with Nathan Fillion, right? That lasted like three episodes.
0: Oh, I think that one made it to like five episodes.
1: Oh, okay, and then he did the show. I actually saw this show. What's, what was it called? The one with the FBI profiler played by Rachel Nichols, The Inside. The Inside. I
0: have no idea what with, that is.
1: Uh, yeah, Rachel Nichols and Peter Coyote. Um, Rachel Nichols, she's actually in uh, in in um, the new Star Trek movie. She plays the, the green girl, the Orion non-slave girl who is who, who uh, Kirk gets it on with.
0: The uh, <clears throat> Orion emancipated girl?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was really good. It only lasted six episodes, I think. Yeah, and now, now Tim Minear, and this is another reason why I'm thinking that you know, uh Questor Tapes is dead well, is because uh he's been working on American horror story. Yeah, so so I, I don't think that I I would love to see this. I especially with Tim Minear at the helm. Well I mean don't think it's is, gonna happen. The
0: thing is is when it comes to T V properties, these things do sort of bounce around for a while until it finally, you know, just sort of locks in. I mean they're kind of just grooves. You know, basically it's a it's a ball rolling around in in that sort of weird development nightmare world where Things roll and then eventually get stuck somewhere, and usually they get stuck and tossed out, but sometimes they get stuck and end up getting produced.
1: Just a little background about this here and the people involved. The star, the the quester, if you will, is Robert Foxworth, who is best known for his role on Falcon Crest. I haven't watched that show. Had to edit a scene of it. Falcon Quest. It's a
0: show where they look around for a bird... A they quest for a bird.
1: Falcon Crest.
0: I've never seen that show. Oh. Never heard of that.
1: Um, Star Trek fans might know him for his two roles in the series. In Deep Space Nine, he played Admiral Layton in Homefront and Paradise Lost. Um, those are the ones where the, uh, the shapeshifters come to Earth and everyone freaks out. And then he also played Vloss on, um... Three episodes of Enterprise, which I believe was the uh, the Vulcan arc from Season 4 with tapau I believe. I'm not positive on that. I'm sure someone can clear that up for us. As far as other genre things people might know him from, he was on a few episodes of Babylon 5, Sequest, uh, DSV, and in the Transformers movies, he's the voice of Ratchet. So his sidekick was played by Mike Farrell, who's uh, a bigger star for sure. He played uh, Captain B.J. H- Honeycutt, Honeycutt in M.A.S.H., which he was, he was nominated for some Emmys for that. He was also the voice of Jonathan Kent on the Superman animated series. The pilot was directed by Richard A. Kala.
0: Um, who did, um, he did War of the Worlds?
1: No, the Battlestar Galactica pilot. Not our Battlestar Galactica, their Battlestar Galactica. The pilot from the 1970s Battlestar Galactica. That's not a good thing. Here's the thing about
0: that. If you got to be saddled with a credit from the original Battlestar Galactica, you could do significantly worse than the pilot. I guess so. And you could do that by having any other credit. Yeah. Cuz that episode is actually significantly better than the rest of the show. And the fact is, you know, if you if you took out that crazy like little, those little tiny crazy stupid bits that are essentially like, you know, artifacts of the 70s, it would almost hold up. It would work.
1: They still go to the casino planet in the pilot after the, the world blows up. He also directed an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. He directed The Last Outpost. And that's the first episode with the Ferengi, and now can you refresh my memory as to the history behind how they messed up Gene Roddenberry's concept for the Ferengi in the Last Outpost?
0: Well, there isn't a lot of specificity on how it was messed up,
1: but it's in uh, what, what do they say? And in, in the, what is what is what is Larry Nemachek? listener Larry Nemachek which just still blows my freaking mind. What does he say I'm gonna about i going to bring it out because it's not the...
0: super specific because I think he didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Okay. okay. Well, maybe we can Well, I will that. pull it out. All right, but it is a little bit vague. All right. All right. It's along the lines of, oh, this wasn't what was
1: intended. Okay must have been from somewhere else then. But.
0: Well, I think that it's probably responsible and reasonable to not say, the important thing to recognize about this show is that this person, here's a picture of him, <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> this is where he lives, and this is a list of his allergies.
1: Okay, yeah, but for, from what...
0: I'm aware that Star Trek has some ardent fans who are willing to murder for its quality.
1: Okay. but From from what I remember reading somewhere... It's
0: totally possible.
1: Is that... Uh, Gene Roddenberry was sick and out of the office that week. And he had set up the Ferengi to be the big baddie on next generation.
0: It's it is true that the Ferengi were positioned to be the big baddies because as a person who was watching the show, I was well aware of every intended thing. Right. And I was like I was like, Oh, this is the moment the Ferengi show up and they're like, Yeah, these are gonna be the new bad guys and I was like, uh 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 and,
1: <laughs> and, and the, the portrayal of the Ferengi was such that it caused them to alter their plans for the Ferengi drastically. So, in essence, Richard A. Kala, the guy who helped Gene Roddenberry get Quester tapes off the ground, is also responsible for ruining a, a major component of Star Trek The Next Generation.
0: That's karma. He raised one thing out of the ground, put another thing deep in it.
1: Okay. Now, the episode was written, of course, by Gene Roddenberry, but it was co-written by Gene L. Kuhn, the other Gene. The guy who, in my mind, is... Oh. What? No, go ahead. In, In my mind, is almost as much responsible for the success of Star Trek the original series as Gene Roddenberry himself. Cleverly worded. Like if you look at the the episodes that he's written and everything like that, he, I really get the impression that he was basically the Michael pillar of the original series. He was the guy, you know, I mean Gene Roddenberry was the creator, but Gene Coon was the guy who was like keeping the ship afloat on a daily basis, you know what I mean? He, yes, his boot, so his boots he, were on the ground.
0: He he was the Riker of of that operation, right? And, and then later on, he was like, "Hey, that should be a character."
1: <laughs> he's written a bunch of episodes of the original series, uh, most notably to me, anyway. Arena. What's wrong with you? I love Arena. I love oh man, Arena. I
0: love people walking on rocks.
1: Yeah he he produced the show for i think like the first year and a half or or something like that somewhere in that in that area and then i didn't realize this but he actually uh wrote a number of episodes in season 3 under a pseudonym lee corwin he wrote spock's brain yeah crazy yeah
0: i assumed that when you said he was almost as responsible for star trek's success i was i thought you were saying He's almost as, as responsible for Star Trek's success, in quotation marks. Because when you write Spock's brain, man, that's a dude in a book depository with a rifle trying to kill a show.
1: Hmm. Um, other Trek alumni on the show included um, Walter Koenig, apparently, somewhere in there. I didn't see him. Did you see him?
0: I don't know, but this has, this, this has the, the, the tone of a, um, a playground rumor.
1: It's on the IMDb. He's Which got a credit, kind everything. of the modern. I think he's in it. I'm pretty sure he's in it. And then get this, Majel Barrett.
0: Really, Majel Barrett's in it? <laughs> yeah. She's oh my God, I didn't know that. You know what? Here's the thing. I am every time I see Majel Barrett in one of the things that Roddenberry was involved in, I think, "Whoa, she's only playing one character here." <laughs> that shows restraint. Yeah, he pulled back. That's smart. you got to do that. Uh, you know, I, I'm impressed that Michelle Barrett is actually a pretty good actress. She did a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah, she's not I, bad at all. It's no. kind
1: of weird that she isn't in stuff outside of this. One thing that she is in, A Guide for the Married Man, along with Captain Pike. Check out that movie if you haven't I've, seen I've it. I've seen it. It's really good. Directed, uh, directed by uh, Gene Kelly. Very funny. Uh, uh, I've seen Very it. Very funny. Walter uh, Matthau. Check yeah. it out. So, any final thoughts on the Quester tapes?
0: I hope they're not final. I do I do hope that they get around to making a show based on the concept. Um, but the fact is that the ideas aren't so fundamentally uh, inextricably bound up with uh, the names and properties that you couldn't do something equally interesting that wasn't necessarily Questor tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that the show, as you know, conceptualized, was kind of devoid of specifics. You could easily do a second episode that established a whole bunch of specific things and uh, forget the original one.
1: Okay, now before we head out, um, we should talk about one more uh, Roddenberry pilot which didn't get off the ground, which we can't really cover in depth because... uh, can't find it anywhere basically it's
0: more or less lost
1: okay or sequestered okay it it is a uh,
0: sequester taped
1: (laughs) it is it is a a pilot which was called specter um it was
0: re not the er because the er is a different show
1: it was co-written by roddenberry and samuel lp samuel a peoples who worked on star trek and it was directed by clive donner um, and it starred Robert Culp. Um, so so this is a movie which, which aired in 1977. It's about renowned criminologist and, and occult investigator, William Sebastian, who recruits his old friend, Dr. Hamilton, to aid him in his current case. Anitra Siron. Sion. Anitra Sion.
0: Not Cylon, just Sion. <laughs> and that's not Sion with the S C. It's Scion S in Cylon but without an S. Like yes. you maybe you forgot to hit the L. Yeah. Why did I say S. The, it's a C
1: Y O N. The sister of prominent British businessman Jeffrey Scion believes her brother is dabbling in the black arts. In turn, Jeffrey claims that she is mentally unfit. Sebastian and Hamilton travel to the Scion Estate to investigate the matter, complicating the issue of Sebastian's debil- debilitating heart condition that was induced by his own experimentations with the black arts. Yes. So you said that you've seen this show at some point in the past?
0: No, I, I've said that I am somewhat aware of it. I've seen something
1: of it. Okay, but not the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's... Um it's kind of a mess, and it's really, really weird because it's the only time Roddenberry seems to have been open to the idea of like magic in stories, Yeah, which I relate to because I tend to think that magic is kind of a cheat in stories, but I don't say, hey, magic should never be in stories. I always say, is there magic in it? I bet it's done stupid <laughs> because that's pretty much a safe bet. And I'm not saying that it never works. I'm just saying that if you're betting on stupid, you will get rich in Vegas when you're betting on shows with magic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. Any final thoughts on Quester tapes?
0: You know what would make it worse? What's that? Magic.
1: Okay. Well, I'll leave you with a quote from Rod Roddenberry, which he he, uh, stated when the Quester tapes was being developed for the new series back in 2010. He said, my father always felt that Quester is the one that got away. He believed that the show had the potential to be bigger than Star Trek. He's wrong. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, We will be back next week with uh, the next part of our Gene Roddenberry series, where we look at earth, the final conflict. As always, you can find us
0: at... Do you have like a like a dump, dump, dump sound effect that you can put in? No. What about like that wah, wah sound? That's
1: the I, I the don't point? have that either. Yeah. All right. I don't know what to do about that then. As always, you can uh, check out our other show, Commentary CommentaryTrackStars, at CommentaryTrackStars.com. You can email us at ComTrackStars.com at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at @comtrackstars or you can leave us a comment on trek.fm
0: we also respond to skywriting mm-hmm. uh, and psychic messages
1: so until next time you got you got to catch I, every race. time
0: you say like we got have something something kind of out I, I i think like nope, no we don't need an out okay how about this how about this do it again
1: so until next time we
0: don't need an out